and welcome everyone to a brand new episode of Ian Hates Conversations Music Edition. Today, my special guest is returning friend of the show, Adam Clark of Rarity. We've been waiting to do this a long time, and I'm glad we are finally able to get together and talk again. I'm going to keep this short, though, because there's a lot of talking coming up that I know you're going to enjoy. Adam talks everything that's been going on with Rarity, as well as a ton of future plans. So right before you hear that, let's take a listen to Stranger off the Rarity debut album, I Couldn't Be Weaker. Enjoy.
All right, everyone. I am back and I am here with friend of the show, Adam Clark. It is his second time on the show. Adam is from Rarity. Very nice to finally have you back on the show, man. How are you doing? I'm great, man. It's good to be back. You know, I, I had such a fun time last time. We couldn't help but do it again. Absolutely. Thank you for having me back. <laughs> Could not help it. Hey, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> well, man, we have been talking back and forth for a long time, and we talked about this right off air, but I want to go through this one more time for everyone. So your first album, I Couldn't Be Weaker, came out in 2016 in April. Yes. You were on the show in June. Correct. And then I finally got to see you live in October of last year. So now this is pretty much the one-year anniversary of when we first really got to talk face-to-face. It pretty much is. Yo, happy anniversary. Happy anniversary to you. (laughs) (laughs) So based on what we talked about before, I know you're in Toronto right now. Yes. So how was your day? It's been good. Uh, My feet are really sore. I spent the day walking around shopping with my girlfriend. Very nice. But I, I, I wore Doc Martens, so my are <laughs> in pain right now. Right. And uh, we, uh, we got home. We had some leftover pizza, that homemade pizza, actually. She's a great cook as well. Very nice. And uh, then we went to go see our boys in Cardinal's Pride ah. at Sneaky D's in Toronto. Very nice. So tell me about that whole experience, because I've been to Toronto once, but I was not able to see a show. What's the venue like, and who are your friends? Yeah, well, um, Sneaky D's is a, like, super famous venue in toronto mm-hmm. like it's been around since the 90s hosted like tons of huge bands like you know like have you heard of pop before yeah, yeah um yeah pop used to like pop came up there like I, I don't know tons of tons of cool bands came up at sneaky d's and um it's like a it's it's a half restaurant as well so the bottom part is just like cool like mexican food like some other burritos and quesadillas and all that kind of stuff nice and it, it's just an awesome cool vibe mm-hmm. and uh then the the guys they're, they're called cardinals pride they're from quebec I always joke around and call them fake, call fake France. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they, <laughs> um, and yeah, they're from Quebec City. And, you know, they've been, we met them on that Silverstein tour we did with Being as an Ocean. Right. And uh, they, they, ju- they did like the Quebec, Ontario dates and we became friends. So every time we go out there, they, they come hang out. Whenever we're here, we come hang out. Like, it's, they're just awesome dudes. They're like a cool, like technical metal band too. And they, they're actually releasing a new album. They just put up the first song today. Very nice. Now I have something to check out. That's great. Yeah, yeah, it's sweet. You should. Very nice. Well, why don't you tell me a little bit about that tour? Because I remember talking to you, I think, briefly about that a little while back, but it sounded awesome. Oh, man, that was that was the most wild experience of our lives. Because I was like, like, you know, we, we thought we knew how to p- perform and we thought <laughs> we knew how to tour and we were like so confident that we could do all these things. Right. But then when you're doing like seven, eight hour drives every single day, living out of a van, making next to no money because right. you're open to huge bands. Nobody knows you. You're just like, you, you're, it's literally like surviving. No right. clean clothes, just like, it, 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 it's rough. But it was, I don't know, it definitely like, it made us feel like after that tour, everything else we did after that made us feel like we we're professional. Like Silverstein taught us so many things, like, you know, the proper, the proper equipment to use and like everything down to like how important it is to have a guitar boat with you. Right. So you can have your guitar set up and ready to go. You don't have to mm-hmm. like pull them out of your cases and try and like get everything together before a set. It's just, it's like the little things you pick up when you work, when you work any type of job. Right? right. And that was like the test for us. Very nice. So how did you get on that tour in the first place? Um, we, uh, our, our second tour ever. So our first one was with, with Capsize and mm-hmm. that was like six or seven days. And then our, um, our second one was with Silverstein 
And um, that was that was the rise. And uh, we, we just became boys. Like there was just something about like we, we're from Hamilton. They're from Burlington. It's literally like a 20 minute drive. And uh, on every single day, we were just geeking out, having so much fun. Like we were, we were from like 19, 20, right? And they're like these, they, they turned into our, like our dads. Right. There was actually the sun. There was this one show we played in, um, uh, it was in Burlington, Vermont. And um, I remember just coming back from the McDonald's and I, was, I went in through the back door and Silverstein was like waiting in the back area. And they were um, they were getting ready to do their encore, and you could hear the whole crowd screaming for them, waiting for them to come back out. I started joking around like, "Oh, I'm going to come out on stage with you guys," blah 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 blah. And and Shane was like, "Yeah, do it." I'm like, "What?" <laughs> He's like, "Do it, man." I was like, "Are you serious?" He's like, "Yeah, let's go." And he started like kind of like urging me forward, and the band started walking through, and it was like a tunnel, so we're walking through back <laughs> onto the stage. And I walked up before Shane with my arms up. I was like, "Yeah!" Everyone's like, "What the hell is going on?" And um. And uh, I, Shane just started making jokes about how he was like my dad, and we didn't. We we just found out recently, and then he gave me the microphone, and I was like super confident, like trying to like ball out with them. And as soon as he gave me the mic, I froze up. <laughs> <laughs> I was just like, oh my god, like I've never talked in front of this many people before. <laughs> and uh, so I just I just started thanking them and like you know like hugging them out on stage and stuff. And it just like from that from that moment and from that tour actually, it just like we became really close. Very and it's nice. weird because they were a band we grew up watching and like they they had such an impact on the Ontario music scene. Like there's there's so many bands that come from this area and a huge part of it is what they did for it. And like, you know, making it possible for shows to happen around here and for other bands to get signed. Like, you know, they were responsible for like counterparts getting picked up and going where they're going. And it's just it was really cool to get to know them better. And then so from there, they invited us to jump on the uh on the big tour across Canada and the U.S. Right. And just so people know, there is a little bit of a weird thing happening where when Adam's talking, if I laugh or if I go, uh-huh, and I agree, which I'm just nodding with him as he's talking and I'm laughing, it's for some reason, it kind of lowers Adam's volume. So if you don't hear me interact with him when he's talking, it's because I'm trying not to do that. So I just noticed that even when I was just trying to stay off mic to laugh at your stories, I realized yeah. <laughs> that that was actually affecting a little bit of what you were saying. So I'm just letting the audience know just in case that I'll try and not do that so that they can actually hear everything that you're saying. And just so everyone knows, I can see his beautiful face just shaking along <laughs> and laughing. I can see him. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Everyone knows that I'm invested in this for sure, but I want to make sure that they also know that I'm trying to have you talk and not me ruin it. Hey, we like to listen to you talk. It's uh, your podcast. <laughs> Thank you, sir. Thank you. <laughs> but yeah, man, that is so fucking cool. Like, it just really is for you to do that. Not only that, I mean, I love Capsize as well. So you did a tour with Capsize. You did a huge tour with Silverstein as well. When I got to see you in October, you were with Broadside and Like Pacific. That was a really great show as well. But those are a lot of different genres from what you were just, you know, kind of touring with. Oh, yeah. And actually, a funny story that I just remembered about that show. Um so that was the third third date on that tour. And, and Boston Manor was playing as well, who are yeah. fucking right now. Got to give them some love. Mm -hmm. But uh, yeah, the first show was in Montreal. And then as we were about to cross the border, we uh, I'm not going to say who, but somebody <laughs> forgot the <their> passport. <laughs> yeah. Um, and uh, it wasn't me. <laughs> and um, 
so we uh we the next date was albany so unfortunately we missed albany and like that's where state champs are from and our boys young culture we're gonna hang out so we we missed that show but the the show after that was was boston or cambridge mm -hmm. and um on the we were like super late getting there because we finally had the passport shipped to us in montreal we drove right there and we were we were rolling up like an hour before before the doors were starting it was crazy there was traffic everywhere every time we go to boston there's always people honking and yelling at us <laughs> and we were, we were crossing this bridge and it, it was nighttime at this point mm -hmm. it was rainy and we're crossing this bridge and there's like we can see all these like photographers and like lights on the other side of the bridge and we're like oh what's going on and then we see like this film crew like filming this guy walking down the bridge i'm like oh what, what, what the hell's going on and so i'm looking i'm driving and then Loden jumps out the window and screams something you probably shouldn't scream and, <laughs> and uh I, at that moment we all realized that we just that we just screamed that um it was ben stiller in his like stone jaw and he just turns and starts grilling us and we messed up his tape <laughs> and we're in the van freaking out literally like a minute or two from the venue <laughs> that is really funny yeah wait what movie was he filming i don't know i after that we went on google and he was like he was filming some movie in Cambridge. It was all over the news and the Boston Times and stuff. I, I don't know what the movie was, but <laughs> we, to look it we up. saw Nick. Yeah, we saw him on that and Stiller. And then it, it got even worse because, like, imagine being us. Like, you know, when you're late to something, you're panicking and freaking out trying to get there. That that was us, right? We finally pulled up to this thing. There's no parking. We got a van and trailer, so we just like pulled into the middle of this intersection area, <laughs> and everyone ran out and started throwing gear onto the street and pushing it into the venue. And this venue is like it was like an art center or something. Like yep. there's there's like painting. What what is it? Like can... <laughs> it's literally an art gallery. Yeah, <laughs> super weird. And um. We we go in. We're pushing all this gear in there, and there's a drum circle happening inside the mm -hmm. inside the art gallery. But the, the drums are just like duh, 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 duh. so we're just like building up our pace even more. Like it's making everything extra intense as this drum circle is happening. <laughs> and then trying to like find places to set up our merch because there's just paintings hanging off everything. And, right. Oh, sorry if you're hearing that. Dang, my uh, right. messages are coming through on my Mac. <laughs> I thought Hopefully. food was done. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I remember that night because, first of all, I was surprised that the show was there in the first place. But that was when we were also talking. I was like, oh, yeah, we'll just do the show either before yeah. or after. But because of all the stuff that went down there, it was very difficult to be able to pull that off. But I was just happy that I got to see you live and in an intimate setting like that. Yeah, that was I wasn't expecting that. Like, well, I, nobody told us it was going to be an art gallery, first of all. And okay. It was on the floor. <laughs> <laughs> I we definitely weren't expecting kids to know the words and the mosh in there. So it, it was cool. It was sold out technically. Yep. It was only like 130 kids, but it it was really, really cool. And like, we, I think we were pretty close to Harvard yep. and uh, there was like this church that I've seen in movies and stuff around the corner. I'm not, mm -hmm. I think it's a landmark. I don't know. It was, it was just like a really cool city. Just like people like dancing and playing music in the streets and just like so <laughs> much going on. That's why there's never any parking. It's because there's always <laughs> something going on. <laughs> it's wild, man. It's a wild place. We went we went the first time we went to Boston too, we went to this like this cool chicken place as well. I can't remember the name of it. You might know what I'm talking about. So the first time that you played, and that was a show that I was really pissed that I couldn't make because I was doing another interview. Yeah. You were at the Paradise. So I'm guessing that you went to Kane's. Yep, that was it. Yep. It was Kane. They have tons of dipping sauces. Right. It was so good. <laughs> For that area, 
that's one of the better places to go to. Yeah. Yeah, because that's um, right by BU. Okay. Okay. Some some local is there. They said that was the place to be, so we just went with them. There's a good bar if you do end up touring back here, and hopefully I'll be able to see you if you're going to the Paradise this time. The bar right next to the Paradise is also good. Yeah. Okay. I'll keep that in mind. It's pub bar food, but drink specials and like all that kind of shit, and you're right next to the club as well. That's it. My my girlfriend might be going to school there too, so I'll probably be there a lot. If, if she does, I'll, I'll hopefully see you a lot more. Yeah. And, and get some drinks. Absolutely, man. Yeah. Look. I would really love to drink. Normally, I have a beer with me when I do the show, but we were talking. This is why we pushed this off a couple times. I had oral surgery two weeks ago, and they said you can't have any alcohol for a month. Oh, man. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> At least I know I'm not an alcoholic. How, do, how does your mouth feel? Everything feels good? Like... No, no. I'm still in a bunch of pain. I can only eat certain foods still. Oh, wait, what can you eat? I can't have chips. I can't have like hard bread stuff. I can't have cookies, like any of that kind of stuff. I can only have like softer foods. Okay. Okay. So So what do you, Oh, go ahead. I was just gonna ask what you're eating every day. Like, I feel like that would be kind of tough. Now it's, I mean, spaghettis, you know, like pasta (laughs) stuff. That's That's cool. I like pasta. Yeah. It's not bad. I'm not saying it's the worst thing. I mean, you can have Buffalo wings as long as you bake them. Okay. Yeah. And pizza and stuff like you were talking about earlier. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's not the worst thing, but it's it's weird, especially when I talk for so long. It's very weird to just know that I'm still in pain. Do you do you forget about it after a while or no? No, oh. it's always there because it's just it's your mouth. So it's always attached to you and you're always thinking about it. <laughs> it's something you use all the time. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Especially when I'm doing hour plus long podcasts and stuff. Oh yeah. <laughs> so yeah, it's just a little bit of something to get used to, but I think I'm pulling through now. But that's why we had to kind of push this back a little bit. You and I were working out scheduling and everything, and it was tough. And then I'm really glad that we're able to talk tonight. Yeah, I'm glad it's. I'm kind of happy that it's a nighttime too. I feel like I'm. I'm not really a morning guy, so it's always better to be late. <laughs> no, very true. I know we just went off on a tangent there. If we can go back just a second, yeah. For the rest of that tour, was there anything that stood out for you? How'd the rest of the tour go in general? Um, I think it went really well. Like, like as I was saying, it, it it taught us how to be a band, and it kind of brought us together. It made us realize what we were doing wrong and the things that we were doing right. And it just we made a lot of friends, and we some of the best experiences I've ever had in my whole life were on that tour. Very nice. You know, like seeing the Grand Canyon and like certain cities that stood out. Like for some reason, I always think of um, Tucson and mm. Albuquerque, and like there's there's so many so many cool places we got to go to. Like we played, we played at the Fonda Theater in Hollywood, and nice. really where we parked was directly in front of the Hollywood sign. There was just <laughs> the Rolling Stones had played there like a year or two before. You know, like there's just cool things like that that I never thought I was going to get the chance to do. And you get you get to do it for free, quote unquote, because you're doing it with your band and like you're getting paid to be there, right? Right. So, Technically, yeah. Even though you're probably not making all the money you'd like, it still yeah. is like it's part of the job of traveling. Yeah, totally. And it's basically like all expenses paid, right? Like we're not we're not making money, but we're we're definitely covering all the all the expenses and right. which we're grateful for. Now, being from Canada like you are, how was it like going to those much warmer climates, especially when you're talking about Arizona, you're talking about, you know, Hollywood and everything. How is that? How do you adjust to that? Oh, it's amazing. 
Yeah, you are. <laughs> <laughs> like because the, on that tour it was in March and February, so mm-hmm. it, we went from like the winter wonderland at West Canada, like Alberta and Saskatchewan, just so much snow, so wet. Like the first day of that tour was in Quebec City, and I remember just like just like meters of slush and my feet being cold for like three days. Mm-hmm. It was just brutal, right? And then all of a sudden we're in the warmth, and, <laughs> and it's it's like a different kind of heat than we're used to too, because like. The, the summers in Canada are very humid and they get like deep into your skin. Like it's brutal. It's so hot. Right. And out there it's like, it's a different kind of heat. It's, it's, it's more relaxed. Yeah. It's that dry heat. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. When you guys came through in October, it was getting bad here. Yeah. So it totally makes sense as you're making your way through as well, that it's going to be much nicer out there. Oh, totally. And that, that's what, that was a cool thing. It was like going from cold to hot to cold again. Mm-hmm. And it was just like, big puffy like winter jackets to all of a sudden shit. <laughs> right. right. <laughs> it was it was tough packing for that. <laughs> yes. I'd imagine so. <laughs> well did you have any, you know, food locations or anything that you really enjoyed while you were out west? Because it is a lot different not only from Canada but also from the East Coast. Um nothing that sticks out like crazy right now. We on that tour we definitely had a lot of McDonald's. Mm-hmm. That's the cheapest option usually and the most common one. Right. Um the gas station food too. Oh, jeez. <laughs> we, uh, we did in and out while we were in LA, but right. uh, unfortunately, um, Evan really wanted to wait to eat until we got to the venue, but we got stuck in LA traffic. So by the time we ate it, it was super cold and, and soggy. Um, gotcha. It was good, but like we didn't, I don't think we, I didn't think we got to experience full in and out. Um, oh, there was this place in Texas, Whataburger. Yes. Whataburger was crazy. Oh my God. I remember I ordered like a small milkshake. It was like two in the morning and <laughs> it was the biggest thing. It was bigger than our actual large drinks here in Canada. Wow. It was, it was nuts. And I remember I, and without thinking, I'm just drinking my milkshake right in the van. Like I wasn't driving. So on the way to the hotel, I'm just drinking this. And by the time I got to the hotel, I finished this giant thing <laughs> and I was so sick. <laughs> I would imagine. So, I mean, milkshakes like that, especially if you're in hot weather too, Sure, it tastes yeah. good that first time, but then as you go on. <laughs> oh, man, it, it was delicious. And the burger was awesome, too. But I just remember being so sick. And we were in, like, the, the most cheap hotel we could find. Right. <laughs> <laughs> just exhausted and burnt out and now now super sick from a milkshake. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my buddy actually yesterday was doing this whole talk on what was better, Whataburger or In-N-Out. I've only had In-N-Out one time. And I've never wow. had Whataburger. And I lived in Texas. I just never got a chance to have it. Wow. Really? Yeah. So at some wow. point, I will have it. But, I mean, I'm a fan. I like In-N-Out. I like Five Guys. Yep. Yeah. We, we have Five Guys here. We love Five Guys. Nothing extremely different. I mean, a burger is a burger normally. But it's just nice to be able to get something, you know, crazy fast food every once in a while. Yeah, totally. I I personally liked Whataburger more than In-N-Out. Mm-hmm. I just felt like it was more food and... I don't know. It was just like the in and out experience was kind of rough. We had to wait like 20 minutes for our burger because it was so packed. And then, right. So I, I, I plan on trying it again next time we're out there. Oh, but that makes sense. Right now I'm going to say, what a burger. There you go. <laughs> now <laughs> wait for all the hate mail to come into you. Yeah, right. <laughs> Everyone just tweeting. Yeah. Well, let me ask this then. So you're going on all these tours. When you get back home, what's it like to transition from touring life to your quote unquote regular life? I think all of us are pretty similar in the sense we all, I, I, I get actually pretty miserable. It's, it's weird. It's like, I, I get depressed. It's like, 
I just it's it's just, it's, it's a weird transition. I don't mm-hmm. I don't know how to describe it. I just I feel like I we always have to go right back to work because we all work part time jobs. Right. So all of a sudden we're just like, you know, it, it's it's not like when you're on tour it's a job, but like really you're getting to hang out with your boys all day and go on a road trip and eat junk food <laughs> right. and perform, which is like the reason we do it. Mm-hmm. So it's 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 really hard to go from doing the thing you've wanted to do your entire life to working a part-time job again. Right. And so it takes, for me personally, it takes about like a month to get back into routine of being back at home. And I mean, it's always great to see my family and everybody, but it is, it is hard to transition back into it. I know a lot, I know a lot of people who hate being on the road and they can't wait to be back home. It's it's the opposite for us. We just want to tour, tour, tour all the time. I think that's awesome. I mean, not the part of the harder transition, but that you want to be out there because, yeah, you're right. There are a lot of people, especially, you know, there have been ones that I talked to on the show that they just don't want to tour. Like, that's the worst part. They love being in front of people, you know, sharing their music, but the actual grind of touring is something that they dread. We we love it. We just, I I don't know. There's something like, I'm I'm a pretty like clean guy. Like I, I shower every single day, like <laughs> on top of all that stuff. But like on tour, I just I love it. I just I'm so down to be greasy and smelly. And, um, it's it's just like freeing. I don't know how to describe it. And uh and like the, I don't know, just driving and just being on the road is just so cool. Right. Just anyway, I'm just a big road trip guy. I like being in a car and driving and hanging out with friends all the time. This this is so fun. It's a honest reaction. You know, sometimes it happens to me. I'll wake up, you know, for my, you know, I work 12 hours a day, maybe sometimes. And I'm, yeah, and I'm driving to work. And I'm just like, what if I just turned around and I just drove, you know? And that is just one thing that bands get to do. For some people, you know, it's a hindrance. And for others, they feel so much freer being able to do something like that. Dude, just being able to be in a different city every single day and like, get to know your surroundings and talk to people. And like, you know, you show up, you're like, Oh crap, what's the Wi-Fi? You get that. You finally get to talk to some people that you've been spoken to. And then you're like, okay, what's around to eat? Or like, you know, just even, even the coffee is more satisfying on the road. <laughs> like you got, you have to wake up early and you have to drive and you just, you finally get that coffee in you and you put on a cool CD and you go. And it's just like, and you, and you really get to like, you, you remember when you were younger and you would have sleepovers with your friends and you yeah. would be like, really deep with them and you would get to know each other and there was like no limits and I, <laughs> at all you don't really get that anymore but when you're on the road with your friends and like with your band members or whoever it is like it, it feels like being a kid again at a sleepover like you like there's some of those overnight drives you do when you really like get to open up to each other and like get super close and that you know you become brothers with those guys like it's 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 so sick do any lyrics or anything come from any of those conversations or any of those talks on, you know, long road trips? Um, maybe. I think like in in the sense of like when we when we get into a conversation about songwriting, maybe mm-hmm. like we'll we'll pitch ideas to each other. You know, like the other day, um, Evan Loden and I were driving to our merch company to drop off some designs that we're putting on our new website. Nice. Not the new website, on our website. There's just a new merch that we have from a festival that's not on there yet. Anyway, it doesn't matter. <laughs> but we were on the on the ride, we were talking about lyrics and stuff. And like Evan and I were telling Loden how much we liked certain lyrics of his. And and you know, we were like Loden made this tweet the other day and we're like, yo, that would have been a, that would be a sick lyric. Like you should use that. Nice. Like, that kind of thing, maybe, but I, I don't know if Loden writes about the road. I think he kind of writes more so about what's going on in his head and right. how we feel. 
Yeah, I would definitely tell from from the last album for sure. Absolutely. I just wasn't sure if that was something that maybe would come out in new material. Yeah, I think so. I think I, I think we're always just like, especially when you're driving, you kind of have those conversations. Like, especially, you don't actually go all of them, even if it's just one-on-one, if, if I'm with Corwin or I'm with Evan or Loden, like, you know, when you when you're just you have nothing to talk about, you the idea like you you just start talking about ideas of the band and things come out that way. I'd imagine so. Well, you mentioned social media. How are you guys with social media? You know, while you're traveling, do you find that it actually either helps you get a message out there, or are you one of those people that just hates being on social media in general? Um, I think it. Was, I do most of the social media. Okay. Loden and I share the Twitter, and then I do the Facebook and Instagram stuff. I think it's tough sometimes trying to trying for me trying to do both because I've got my like personal accounts and then I've got the band accounts. Right. So sometimes I have to like think of a quadrillion captions and <laughs> things like that, I guess can be kind of frustrating, but the more we've toured, I think the the better we've gotten at like finding time to do it. Right. A lot of time, like our, our main photographer, Dan Hadfield, he'll actually just handle our Instagram account for us is really nice so he 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 does like that that takes a load off for sure because i i also tm which is another thing that i have to do um right but i i wouldn't say that it's i think it's more exciting when you're on the road actually because you get to share everything yeah we've got things to talk about we've got photos and like you know where we're when you're playing shows like you'll play in like amityville and then you'll get a bunch of kids tweeting at you being like oh yo thanks for coming out it was sick or like you took some photos of some people and they're posting it and then we can just like joke around with them and hang out like it's always fun interacting with people yeah and we, we love people tweet at us and comment because then we always try to get back to everybody and that's it's exciting it makes us feel like we're a real band <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no that makes total sense look the more social media the more people look up rarity I did want to give an update because we talked about this on the first show and you've heard this a million times, but when you put rarity in Google, you still get the unicorn. You still get the My Little Pony. So getting that stuff up will finally maybe get you over that. Hopefully, hopefully. (laughs) Oh man, it's brutal. But like whenever at work, whenever somebody comes in wearing a My Little Pony shirt, I'm like, oh, yo, you should check out my band. (laughs) (laughs) It's also named Rarity. You know that pony? (laughs) Totally inspired by that show, yeah. obviously. I, I always get my baby sister a little rarity plushies, like the My Little Pony ones. <laughs> she actually saw us for the first time, or the second time, the other day when we played Super Crawl. Yeah, I was going to ask about that. Yeah, it was sick. It was really, it was really cool. Um, and she she was on stage, so there was like, she it was really cool getting to like turn around and see her. And there was there was this one moment I had with her where um, I was like playing in front of her. Mm-hmm. And uh, she she looks down at her hand. She, she's five years old, by the way. And uh, she looks down at her hand and she just like lifts her pinky and then lifts her finger and then throws me the rock <laughs> horns. But she had to like think about it and figure out how to do it with her hand before she did it. Nice. And uh, my mom was telling me the other day that she like she'll she can recognize our music now. So I I think that's really cool too. Um, but I don't. What were we talking about before that? Um, I don't even know. We went from we went from touring and lyrics to My Little Pony. Do that. Yes. I remember. I was gonna say um, we're verified on Spotify, so yes. our music won't. There's no more sh- like listening to Rarity and then My Little Pony songs coming. <laughs> Actually, that totally makes sense now because I looked up some stuff today and I was going uh-huh. through my Spotify and I was like, wait a second, I don't follow Rarity on Spotify. That makes no sense. <laughs> I followed it and then I went. Oh, yeah, that's right. The reason why I didn't follow it last time when we talked for the first time was because it was full of My Little Pony songs. That's why. (laughs) 
every every day people would tweet at us being like with screenshots of being like why is this playing on your spotify <laughs> and it took us forever to get spotify to fix it i'd imagine um, so yeah I don't use Spotify, so but I, I I heard it worked. So <laughs> no, everything's good now. And actually, look, you've got a lot of followers. It's really awesome to see the change in a year plus. You know what I mean? Yeah. Oh, for sure. And I'm assuming you see that a lot, anyways, with all the social media plus who comes to shows and everything as well. Yeah, definitely. Like after that Silverstein tour, it was we we played every show. No, like uh, one or two people would know who we are if we're lucky, if we were lucky. Right. But the, uh, the next tour we did after that was with Seaway and we hit a lot of the same markets we did the first time. Sure. And we had so many people coming out to see us again. They're like, yeah, we saw you with Silverstein. It was really cool. And it was awesome playing those smaller shows. Cause we got the chance to interact with them and just like chill and hang out, like go grab some pizza or something with people, like get to know people who actually support our band. Right. And, um, that that was that was uh and that that was like the the two tours we did after the Silverstein one, the Seaway and uh like Pacific tour were like definitely I felt like we had the most growth even on social media. Like that was the time where we actually saw people coming out and responding and actually giving a shit. Right. Do you think that had more to do with the tour itself or because I couldn't be weaker had come out recently? I think it also like because I couldn't be weaker came out on the Silverstein tour. Mm-hmm. So um a lot of people you know, they they thought of us as I'm sure a lot of people dismissed us and thought we were just like another generic pop punk band, which you know, no no shade for bands that do that because I, I love that kind of music. But I think maybe people did that, and then after I think I could have be weaker needed its time to resonate ah, sure. before it really connected. Because I think uh, like a lot of the songs, you know, we we try we experimented a lot. There's a lot of different song structures on there than you would typically see sure. in, in average pop punk or like hardcore music or whatever um and i think uh by the time we did the seaway and like pacific tour was when it, it finally like really connected and resonated with those with those kids now based on that experience do you think you would prefer to do some type of a like when working on a next album would you then prefer to have it come out and then kind of tour maybe a month later or would you like it to happen the same way where it kind of grows um I, I definitely want our next record to like I want there to be that replay value and the I want it to I want people to the more you listen to it the more it sticks with somebody and resonates mm-hmm. with them because that's like all my favorite records are like that like the ones that you know maybe they didn't hit right away but the more I listen to it the more connected and attached I got to it sure I, I hope the next record does that as well um, but I, I don't know I would I would probably prefer that we uh like the reason it happened that way was just because of timing. Like we got offered that Silverstein tour and you know, the album wasn't ready until when, by the time we were on that tour, like getting artwork together and all the logistics. Right. Um, I think it would, I, I think it would be more beneficial if, um, cause like first week sales are super important music. People say it all the time. That's like, most people who look at like a band's statistics are usually looking at the first week sales. Right. And that's how you kind of like, that's how people judge if this band is worth this big tour or this opportunity. Right. Or is mm-hmm. this other band worth it depending on that. So I think it would be awesome if our album came out like the first week of a tour. So sure. then we have the time to like, you know, we're, we're selling CDs on every single day of the, of right. the run. Mm-hmm. Like, on the Silverstein tour it came out like near the end. That's why I wasn't sure because I know there are a few bands that prefer to come out, you know, that first day of a tour. And then there are others that, yeah, they like to wait and let it kind of simmer and then they hit the tour and that's where they sell more records. So even though it doesn't show up as much on that first week, they're still selling more as the time goes on. 
Yeah, I think so too. I think the reason why you'd want to do it near the, I think the reason you want to put out the record alongside the tour is just because you need those those numbers right away. Right. And you're gonna you're gonna make you're gonna make more record sales if you're doing it well on the road. But I I would see it as like a thing where you know maybe maybe we would stream the album a week or two before it comes out so people have heard it and know some of the songs before we actually hit the road right so it, it still exists it's just it's not out officially until you're on the road like counterparts just so yeah that's kind of how i, I look at it but it like, you can't have a perfect rollout like it always it depends on timing and what else what else is going on in the music scene right very true yeah there's a lot of scheduling that goes along with all yeah. of that right and by the way yeah that Counterparts album is amazing. It's unreal. Yeah. Holy crap. It really is. It blew me away. I just uh I was I just went up to two dates and they sound better than ever. Like they are they you know, they the one venue they played was like a theater and they just sound like a huge, massive band. Like huh. I remember going out to local shows and seeing them when we because they're they're from the same city as us. Mm-hmm. And they were one of the first bands that like made me realize, oh hey, like they're going to the States. Like I could possibly start a band and do the same thing. Right. And uh they just sound like such a crazy big massive type band now and it's insane seeing them and they sound just like the record yeah no absolutely i saw them on warp tour and you know how difficult it can be to play warp tour and sound good you know in different yeah. time stuff they were amazing yeah they're a machine yeah for sure. they absolutely are now that would be a great tour i would love to see you and counterparts together yeah i think that would be cool too like we we know all those guys are they're, they're super cool Obviously, like the funniest band on the planet. <laughs> yes, <laughs> it's funny. I read. I think it was it was either Counterparts or Brendan who had tweeted, and they had said, "Hey, our record came out a week ago, and we're not the biggest band in the world. Fuck this shit." <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. All all the pay me stuff. Yes. Like, yes. My money, like all that stuff. <laughs> I love that shit. Anyone who can poke fun at themselves and put it out there and just have fun—that's all that matters. Yeah, and it, it's crazy because they are super humble. Like if you talk to them in real life, it's not. Yeah. You don't you don't get that vibe at all. They actually are so happy and appreciative of everything that they have. That's what makes it work. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Well, we started talking about new album stuff, and I know we had spoken briefly about this. Do you mind telling me where you guys are with new music? Yeah. Um. You know, I'd I'd like to say that the record is pretty much completed. Um. But I know what it's like when you go in the studio, like you, you do so much. Um, but we're definitely way more prepared than we were for I Can Every Week. Or like this time around, I think, I think we were sitting at like 15 songs at one point that we were like, which one are we going to pick? Whereas like I Couldn't Be Weaker, it was like a race to try and write 10 songs. Oh, wow. Because like at that point, it was like we were trying to figure out what kind of band we wanted to be. Mm-hmm. And with this one, I think with everything that we did on I Couldn't Be Weaker, we knew like we experimented a lot and I think we tried a bunch of different styles and we, we did our best at every style we did. And I, I think we did an awesome job, but um, I, it made us realize like the, the sound that we really wanted to go for. And so this time it was like, you know, with all this songwriting experience we got with, um, with Seth and Derek from state champs and Sam, the guy who we're recording our record with now, right. um, we, we were able to just go in like head first and just bang them out. So this time around it was like, which ones do we use and which ones do we go forward with? Wow. But like getting into the studio, you always, you always change things up. So it's hard for me to say that the album's done because I know there's going <laughs> to, there's a lot to be done. <laughs> so basically you've already written a bunch of songs already 
and you just need yeah. to go into the studio and actually record and track them. Yeah, but there's like, you know, those things where it's like we might not be happy with like a bridge in a song or like I know I know there's this one this one song Evan wrote and he's like he wrote like five different bridges for it and he can't pick <laughs> which one he wants to use. <laughs> there's a lot of stuff like that or like adding layers and like you know if there's a chord progression we're not sure about or adding lead so it's just like you know we need you still need as much time as possible because like you can you can always add to to a record right now it's just like we're we're, we're fully prepared which i think is super cool because because last time it was really stressful right so you've gotten rid of the stress you're kind of yes. going in there a lot more confident Besides kind of knowing what sound you were going for, what else was different in the writing process? Did you guys do anything different? Um, yeah, it was, we, uh, so we, two members that we wrote, I couldn't be weaker with or not with the band anymore. Right. And, you know, they're great guys, but they wanted to go do other stuff. Mm -hmm. And so we brought in um, Corbin, who used to be in this band called Downstream, who is yeah. another band that's in, mm -hmm. that we, uh, you know, we, we, are, we were all obsessed with and super inspiring, amazing band from our scene. And um, Corbin, Corbin jumped in to help out on the, uh, on the like Pacific tour. And we were like, you know, this guy, this guy really wants to do it with us. Like we know he, he cares about what we're doing. So we brought him in and uh, I feel like the songwriting process became a lot more streamlined. Mm -hmm. And it was just like, it was just like we would sit in Evan's basement on some acoustic guitars and just like shoot ideas. Right. There was no BS, no arguing. There wasn't any, there was no issues. It was just like, what's the best thing for the song? So basically what you're saying is the two guys that left were the cause of all your stress while writing. And now they're no. gone. No, I know. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. Had to throw that in there. Okay. No, I like that. No, no, definitely not. It was, uh, it's just, I feel like the maturity as songwriters of, I, of all of us being better at doing what we're doing now. Right. If that makes sense. No, absolutely. It does. <laughs> By the way, happy birthday to Corbin as well. Yes. Happy birthday, Corbin. I um, actually, one the reason I was out going through Toronto was trying to find him a birthday gift. And uh, we ended up finding him a sick, a sick thing. I'm not going to say it because I don't know if this is coming out before I give it to him. So I got him something cool. Okay. And I'm really happy. I, I, we went through all of Toronto. <laughs> so if you hear this, I got you a sick thing and I tried really hard. Nice. <laughs> birthday gift shopping can be very difficult oh it's stressful oh yeah corbin corbin's a little guy he's hard to shop for <laughs> oh it's <laughs> well how long have you known corbin how long has the band known corbin oh man we've known corbin since before we were so before we were rarity we were called face value mm -hmm. and then before that we were called safe and sound so we've known i've probably known corbin for almost six years now oh wow okay that makes me feel super old <laughs> but probably like five or six years and he's just always been, you know, supportive of what we're doing. And he's always been a good friend and a Twitter legend. And, <laughs> <laughs> you know, he's just, he's just always been there. And it's like, right. He's one of those guys that like, we, we knew we could trust him. Just you meet, when you meet Corbin, like mm -hmm. he's instantly somebody you can open up to and he'll do the same for you. And he's just like, he, he's a beautiful soul. And I, I'm so happy to have him with us. That's great. No, that's really great to hear. And by the way, I don't think we've even talked about this, especially because I haven't been able to see it. Is he coming in as second guitar or is he playing bass? He's playing guitar. Okay. Yeah. Who's filling in on bass then? Um, so at the moment, we have our good friend Cole filling on bass. Oh, very nice. Okay. Yeah, he, uh, he plays in a band called Parkside from Oakville. 
they New write band. Okay. and songs and uh yeah no like cole's been awesome he's a crazy crazy guy on stage he's he's the type of guy who will like he'll spit in the air and try and catch his spit <laughs> <laughs> and like he throws his bass in circles and like he'll like get in the middle of the pit while playing his bass nice and uh yeah he he's insane he's like <laughs> he, he had so much adrenaline like i i always play on the same side of the stage as him and mm-hmm. i often like i'll get in his way and he'll push me out of the way and i'm just like oh my god cool <laughs> <laughs> and he's, he's so funny like you you got you gotta follow him on twitter he's just wild okay he comes up with another thing like he's like the quickest responder in the world too. If you send him a text, he's literally mm-hmm. as you send him the text, the, the little writing bubble shows up, and he's got some stupid joke to send right back at you. And I, I love that guy. He's so he's so awesome. Very nice. Corbin is also doing vocals as well. I should mention that. So guitar and vocals, and he'll be singing on the new record and screaming and stuff. So. Oh, very cool. All right, your change in sound a little bit too, or your honing in of sound still has unclean vocals in it. A little bit. I think uh, I think there's going to be oh, there's a lot less screaming than I couldn't be weaker. Okay. Um, we we know now when to use the screaming parts when it makes sense. Right. Not to say that on the parts that we used it on, I couldn't be weaker. But like when right, when writing these songs, I feel like we're a lot smarter when we put them in. Okay. Yeah, that's interesting. Okay. And what is it like for you personally being, you know, the guitarist in the band to now be working with a new guitarist? It's a, it's awesome. I've, I've always been of the mindset of like, whoever has the best idea, just, just go for it. Sure. And if, you know, somebody shoots down my idea, I don't really like, I don't get too salty about it. I'm very open-minded. I'm just always like, whatever's best for the song. And Corbin is the same way. And I, I, I think it's awesome and he comes with so many great ideas so it's we don't usually have to nobody ever says no to his ideas because they're all great (laughs) (laughs) um, i i honestly like he's written a huge chunk of the record as i said like he was in downstream and he wrote a lot of the music for downstream so we were very confident in his ability that's why we were we had no issues bringing him in to do it with us and like if you listen to the most recent downstream record he actually did all the singing for it as well well him and the drummer but so if you want to like hear what he sounds like, you can you can listen to that. Hey, that sounds like a great pickup. Yeah. Oh, for sure. And it, it just made a, so much sense for the band. I and mean, he lives in our city. He he literally next door neighbors to Evan. Oh. So we we write at Evan's house, and we'll be like sitting in the living room, and you'll just see like Corbin will literally jump the fence and just like knock <laughs> on the, on the window, be like, "Hey, let me in," and he'll like pull himself up the balcony. Like he doesn't even go through the front, <laughs> so up through the back door. Nice. <laughs> yeah. So is that what your practice sessions are normally like? Like, how often do you practice? How much did you actually put into getting all of this stuff written? How long did it take? Uh, we've been writing since. So um, we we did an interview recently, and we kind of talked about it. the uh, The first song where like like coming out of losing those members, it was, it was difficult, right? And it was like it felt like we were broken and kind of lost. Like we didn't know where to go. It was like what what's going on with our band and. Uh, on this on the seaway tour we uh we played in quebec city and then we needed to find a hotel and uh adam showed you from seaway gave me a great app to use and it brought me to this town called shawinigan in the middle of quebec and you know it was just a great deal good hotel and we're like cool let's take it so driving in it was just like 
the create like the most beautiful drive around all these lakes and trees everywhere and it was like we're like where like it was it, everybody at the same time was like where are we going right now like what is this place and we pulled up and it was this beautiful hotel in a town where nobody speaks any english <laughs> on the side of a lake and it was it, like evan says in the interview it's very like it felt very romantic <laughs> and, <laughs> and um we we just had this wonderful day there like where we um there's, there's a video on our instagram of us like kind of like partying to that panda, that panda song by designer uh. <laughs> we're in this hotel room just like falling out and then we uh we went into like a food truck and got some poutine and just like it was just a really like magical night for us and um that night was when evan started working on a song which which we call shawinigan we, we named it shawinigan after the town um and uh that was like the moment where we we're like oh like we can still do this like we we've got this and that was we kind of based the rest of the record off of what we did with that song. And that was, um, that was kind of like the first step forward. So I would say it's been, it's been over a year of writing and that doesn't mean we write like every single day, but you know, it's been a, it's been a long process. Oh, very interesting. All right. From what you're saying, this sounds very exciting. Yeah, I hope so. I I want people to be excited. excited. (laughs) (laughs) Well, do you have any plans then? So you're going to go into the studio. Do you have an idea of approximately how long you think it will take to record it? Yeah. Um, yeah. So we're recording it from October 16th to November 10th. So that's the time that we scheduled to do it. Okay. We're doing it with our good friend, Sam. He, uh, he did our first EP. Right. And, you know, we did cold front. He did like Pacific's record. Um, he, he's done a lot of, he, he's done a lot of bands that we work like our friends with the scene, like profits downstream. He did every single downstream record. And, um, we just felt like it was it would be good to be close to home this time, so we're doing it in Toronto. And uh, oh, nice, okay, yeah. So you know, it's it's gonna be about a month. We did a lot of demoing with Sam leading up to it. So throughout the year, if um if you go on our social media, you'll see that we've been in the studio working on stuff that was with Sam. You know, just like we'll come to him with a couple song ideas and be like, hey, what do you think? And he'll tell us if it's crap or not. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, uh, and then we just kept moving forward from there. So it's been a, it's been a long process, but we decided just a couple months ago that we we were ready, and so we hit up Sam, and he's like, "This is the time we have," and we're like, "Cool, let's lock it in, let's do this." Very nice. Well, are you more of a planner, or are you more of a go with the flow guy? I'm a little bit of both. Okay. I I do a lot of the scheduling and business stuff for the band, mm-hmm. but at the same time, like when we're on tour, I try not to be the guy who's like too uptight about things. Right. Because I myself am like. When I'm when I'm just hanging out, I'm pretty chill and just like, you know, I'm not. I I, I hate when people are too like strict about things. So I, I guess I would say I'm a little bit both. And that makes sense. It's probably a good balance. The reason why I asked that was, you know, you're going into the studio. You have an idea of how much time it might take to do this, and you're pretty prepared, knowing that you might have to change some things along the way. But have you planned anything for after that as well? Do you know how you want to roll things out? Do you know if you're going to start right away with a tour? Are you going to do any touring before you know the holidays? Do you plan out like that? Um, yeah, I definitely do. But with this one, we we felt like it made most sense to just focus on the album. Like we didn't want to distract ourselves with anything else. So we decided not to plan anything. We're just like we're we're going to the studio. We're gonna write and record this record and then after that all is open then we're going to start figuring out what the next step is right 
we didn't want to get carried away with all the other stuff that comes with being in a band. And we, we love all that other stuff, but we wanted to just make sure that the record is what we want it to be. Very nice. You know, we, we're not a band because we're good at using social media. We're a band because we're <laughs> creating music and performing it. Right. <laughs> right. And I can speak for that as well because I've seen you live. I love the music. So it's all coming together. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate that. Oh, absolutely. Well, I know you are obviously a huge guitar nerd. Would that be right to say? Yeah, I definitely am. I mean, there's definitely people who are more so than I am, but I'm I'm about it. I love gear. Yes, and I remember in our first show, you know, you talked a lot about that. Is there anything that you're excited to try out for this new album? Oh, yeah. So today, actually. There you go. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Uh, literally today, there's a, there's a, this awesome music store in Toronto called Steve's music. Mm-hmm. And it's like, it's like a family owned type shop that's been around for a really long time. And they have nice crazy, huge selection of guitars and amps and things to do. It's like, it's like a playhouse for mu- mu- musicians, like every type of pedal you can want everything. And, nice. um, we've been talking about getting some Ernie Ball music man guitars and mm-hmm. playing them on the record. So we've actually been talking to those guys and they they said they're going to actually try and send us some guitars to use on the record we're still waiting to figure out all the logistics of that but we're, we're crossing our fingers hopefully it'll work out absolutely it just depends on timing and stuff right like shipping guitars is a hard thing to do right but i never played one before i just you know like blake from counterparts is using one and i've been well aware of their stuff for a while my stepdad actually uses a similar guitar and uh I've always been into it. So we went to Steve's and they had the one I really wanted to, the real, the one I really want to Stingray. So I got to rip one of those today and they put me in like my own room. Oh yeah. yeah. And they closed the door, turned up the amp and it, it sounded unreal. The neck was so cool. And nice. the guitar sounded huge and full. And um, that's, I think that's definitely where I want to go for, like where I, the direction I want to go with my guitars. Very cool. I'm a huge Fender and Telly guy, but these guitars are so sick. <laughs> Basically, is there no superstition then of using a certain guitar when you're writing or using a certain guitar when you're actually recording? You're just like, I need this certain sound. That's the one I'm going to use. Uh, yeah, I'd say so. I, don't, I wouldn't say there's like, I can understand why some people would be very, like, very specific about what they use. Maybe it's like mm-hmm. their favorite guitar that they have to have when they record the record. But right. the way we look at it is like, you know, what kind of what kind of tones and sounds we're looking for, what kind of guitars and amps will produce that. Mm-hmm. So we're, we're very open-minded to trying new equipment and different things. And we're always like, we're looking at what other bands are using and uh, always asking questions of what other our friends are using, what other bands are using. Right. You know, we just got to pay attention to that stuff. Like, that's a, I think that's a huge thing that separated us from other local bands at the time when we first came out. Like, we had, a, we had some pretty solid gear and that's what makes you sound good. Like, yeah, you can be you, like definitely practice and be as tight as you can, but it definitely helps if you have gear that helps that makes you sound tight. So no, absolutely. Yeah, no, it's I, I, not I wouldn't say it's a superstition for us. It's more so just like what what makes most sense and what's this, like, what we're what, what we're aiming for and trying to achieve. Is there anything right now that you've written that you're extremely proud of and you can't wait for people to hear? Um, yeah, like. I, I think like every song I get really excited about. Oh, good. Okay. Yeah. Like every single time, like if we sit down and we're like, okay, let's go over this song again. And I'll be like, oh yeah, like that pre-chorus was so cool. Like that makes me feel this way. And I think, I think every song has like, I couldn't be weaker. You'll hear like some songs we, you know, we get a little more pop on it or a little more pop punk or a little bit more post-hardcore, like whatever. This right. one, we have a sound 
but every song has its own unique style or like type of song. I don't know how to describe it. So, well, so it doesn't all blend together. Yeah, exactly. It doesn't, not every, it's not like the one thing we don't want is for every song to sound the same. Right. Like to be the same song. Mm-hmm. So I think like every single time we go, like maybe we'll be like, oh, like we haven't worked on this song in a long time. Let's, let's pull it up. And uh, it's always like it, it returns different feelings. I'm like, oh yeah, I haven't like I haven't felt that since the last time we worked on the song. Ah, uh, sure. Which is kind of cool. I think yeah. uh, it's really hard for me to be specific about one. Um, so when again the that first song we worked on, which we have like we've had fully demoed for a long time now, is obviously like a huge like for us. It's a it's it's probably one of the favorites because mm-hmm. have a fully recorded version of it, so we already know what it's going to be. Like that song is a hundred percent right. Um, but there's like you know there's a there's like a, Evan's got like this ballad that he's been working on. That's that has this oh. really cool lead that I'm excited about. And, um, you know, we've got Corbin has this one song that we call Corbin's lament. <laughs> <laughs> and, and that, that one has so many cool little parts that he wrote for it. Like it's hard, it's hard for me to say one, but there's definitely like, we're, we're trying some different things on this record that I'm hoping work out. We don't know if they're going to happen until we get into right. the studio, but we'll see. <laughs> Well, do you have from doing all the touring that you've done? Do you have an idea of what you think of the new tracks will play well live? Yeah, that actually helped too. Like, for playing, there was like songs that like Realm, for instance, on "I Couldn't Be Weaker." We didn't think that was going to be a huge live song, but it turned out to be one of our favorites to perform. Like, it's so bouncy yeah. and energetic. I think we learned a lot about what parts are awesome for live um for for live performances so we definitely wrote to that as well very nice and you know again just like growing as growing as a band it helped like performing a lot really like helps you figure out what where your song should go and um i'd say that these songs make a lot more sense in a live setting well look i think that's going to make everyone excited yeah i hope (laughs) (laughs) me too i want to rock out harder than ever (laughs) right yeah i would figure i mean it's always weird. It's like, hey, you can ask someone, hey, are you heavier? Are you softer? But that's not really the point. If they play well live, that's always going to help no matter what. Definitely. Yeah, 100%. Well, man, I think we have come to the end of music questions, I think, because we've done the backstories, you know, that's stuff we've done in the past episode. So really, what else is going on in your life? Um, I work a lot now, a lot more than I did before. Um, I'm currently working at this place called Bow House. Okay. It's kind of like PacSun. Oh, sure. But it's like the Canadian version. Okay. And I'm, a, I'm a key holder, like a supervisor, whatever you want to call it there. So I'm, mm-hmm. I'm having a lot of fun doing that. I really like, I really like training people and like, you know, teaching, like, like work, like we've got a lot of like high school kids that work for us. So okay. I have a lot of fun, like showing them how to do new things and like getting them excited about the job. So that, that's something I spend a lot of time doing. And um, I have a girlfriend now as well. Right. And uh, we've been going strong, I think, eight or nine months now. Nice. And, uh, Congrats. Yeah. Thank you. It's it's the most serious relationship I've ever had. So very, I'm nice. very happy about it. And, um, I'm assuming before you see her, you shower. Yes. Not like the touring. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I wonder how she'll feel run to her. I don't know. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I, I spend other like and oh, actually, I go to the gym now as well. Oh, sure. I've fallen off in the last couple of weeks just because we've been going really hard writing. Mm-hmm. But um, like my good friend Alan and I and our old bassist Alex, we all we all go to the gym together, and that's also been a some like something that I've kind of like nerded out about and gotten really excited about. 
Very cool. Is there any type of routine or anything that you were looking for in particular? Not really. Like I, because I, I've got so much going on, I can't like fully dig into it and like research it and whatnot. But my friend Alan, that's all he thinks about. He sits on YouTube and he just like the way I study music is what he does with the gym now. And oh, we, wow. we both started in November of last year. So he like all the time, he'll be like, okay, he, he plans our workouts. I'll show up. We'll show up. And he'll be like, okay, this is what we're doing first. We're going to bang these out. We're going to do some quad extensions and blah, blah, blah. And we're always trying different like techniques and, you know, form and like, uh, and just like different routines and stuff. And it, it's just, it's, it's cool. It's like, a, I've never been the most like athletic type. I, I was never like the guy who played school, <laughs> but it's, it's definitely like, it's good to feel good and, feel active and eating better and having something else other than music. Right. That's true. Now with touring, do you know what a lot of bands do with the whole membership so that they're able to shower and they're able to go work out? Yeah. So our, um, Alex, our old bassist, he's always been that kind of guy. He's always worked out and he's always been that guy in our band Yeah, yeah. where we were part of this gym called good life. And we have membership. There's gyms all across Canada. Right, right. So, uh, he has the he had the ultimate membership. So he would always try and get to the good life, the shower, and to like get in a quick workout. <laughs> it's a really smart idea. <laughs> yeah, I've heard so many bands talk about it recently here in the states because I think they use Planet Fitness or something where it's ridiculously cheap. They're all over, and that way, even if you can't work out, you can at least go in and shower. You know, change your clothes, do whatever, and at least you feel like a little bit more comfortable going to the next venue yeah totally and you, you kind of have your space too right like right it's always nice going to somebody's like when somebody lets you in their house and they let you shower but like there's also this thing like you don't know what you're expecting like mm-hmm. I, I don't know if you've ever gone to someone's house and showered and it's just kind of weird like showering it is weird yeah. you know that you know what i'm talking about i do and like, <laughs> again, i'm like super grateful for everyone that has let us shower in their homes but right the, the idea of being able to like shower at a gym and know exactly what you're getting your head like getting into is nice and then also the fact that they, they'll have like shampoo and body wash for you so you don't have to bring all that stuff no that's very true and well when you're <laughs> when you're working <laughs> when you're working out do you listen to your own music uh no actually we don't really listen to music we oh okay we kind of just talk to each other it's like we just kind of like i don't know we hang out there's music that plays at the at our gym it plays like Oh, okay. They play a lot of music from our scene too, like Bring the Horizon, Paris, even some really? small bands. Wow. But yeah, it's all—it's weird. It's a lot of that kind of stuff. That is strange. Wow. I think a couple of pure noise bands play. Like it's—it's it's crazy. <laughs> hey, that's good. Yeah, it's not bad. I—I I mean, sometimes we'll listen to music, but for the most part, we—we—we we, we think it's better to like, like focus on each other. Like when we're working out, we're watching each other and we're paying attention to what we're doing. So uh, we give each other tips and be like, "Yo, you're doing this thing weird." Like, gotcha. And just motivation, I guess. I don't know. Right. No, that's a good way to be. Any movies or TV shows or anything that you've been into lately? Um, right now, I'm watching this show with my girlfriend called Love Sick. It's a it's a Netflix original. It's from it's a British show. Oh, okay. It's hilarious. I recommend it. We're uh, all right. We're on the second season. I also just finished House of Cards. I binge watched the crap out of that show. So good. <laughs> um, I'm behind on that one by like two seasons. I really have to catch up. Dude, it's so good. It gets even crazier. It's just I can't believe everything that's going on. And I was, I was watching an interview with Kevin Spacey, and he was like, yeah, like, like if you watch the show, you'd think that they wrote it based on what's happening in real life right now. Right. But Kevin Spacey goes up, and he's like, no, like, we literally, like, we were we wrote this months and months before everything that's happened. <laughs> 
it's just weird that it's happening this way and like we're predicting it right right um but no, I, I, House of Cards. Actually, something I forgot to mention uh, that's taking a lot of my time is I'm, I'm booking a lot now. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. So I don't know if I mentioned last time, but I was I was pretty interested in like helping local bands and management. Right. I've gotten more into the booking side of things. And um, I, I've kind of started like a little company with my friend Joe. He's from England. And mm-hmm. uh, he, uh, he actually works for a real booking agency. <laughs> and so okay. we do like more of our scene. Right, right. We've been, you know, with the connections I've got from touring and and uh, being in this band, I, I want to help out the other guys who might not have the same, you know, opportunities that we did. Right. So we've been, um, you know, working with a lot of cool bands. We booked, we fully booked three tours now. We're working on our fourth and fifth right now. Awesome. I, I don't know. I'm just I'm having a lot of fun doing that. You know, honestly, I had a Ian hates conversations with uh, Nicholas Mishko who's the manager or actually the founder and owner of 10 and eight management. And we had a whole talk about booking as well and how interesting that is because I didn't realize the reason why a lot of bands don't come through Boston or Cambridge or whatnot is because the booking companies aren't booking those bands. So if they don't like the type of music that I like, I'm not going to actually get to see the bands come through. Oh yeah, definitely. And I had no idea. I didn't know that was the case. I thought it was more based on time and availability or amount that a venue charges. I thought it had something to do with that more than the booking agent, but apparently I was wrong. So this is very interesting that you picked that up. I think it's a mix of a mix of it all. It's it's a lot like man where management's like when you're when you're doing that thing, it's kind of like you're using your experiences and like kind of like trying to give a band advice and kind of mm-hmm. in the right direction. Like, you know, you're always like when you're in a band you're always being and the next option is always being presented to you. Right. And you have to figure out yes or no, or where, what, what's after that. And that's kind of like when you're a manager, you're helping a band navigate that and, um, you know, helping them like have conversations with people who could move their band forward. Whereas like being booking is like, is a, is a lot of problem solving actually. Mm-hmm. You're sitting here being like, okay, so you, you, you find a band that you want to book and then you've got, you've got to find support bands and you got to make, you got to come up with like a routing that you think will happen. And you know, right. you to make sure that the bigger cities hit right on the weekends. Then all of a sudden, like your one support band is like, Oh, I can't do those days. So then you have to find another band <laughs> right. when you start, actually you get the confirmation and you start hitting up the promoters in the venues. All of a sudden, like they're like, Oh, both promoters are like Montreal, Quebec city are like, Oh yeah, we can do the same day, but we can't do the other day. So then, uh, then we can do this day and can't do that day. So all of a sudden you have to like work around the venue and promoters availability. And you're like kind of reroute the entire tour based on that. Right. And if that's, if they want to take the package there too. So it's a lot of just like, like it's problem solving. You just need to figure out how to like, what makes sense for driving and where can I fit the dates on the, on the right days. It's fun. I, I really oh, it is okay. <laughs> it didn't sound fun. Oh, it is. I I don't know. I'm, I'm, I've, I've been really enjoying it. Honestly, I can't believe it either. But my our our manager said I'm crazy for doing it. But <laughs> right. <laughs> well, no, I think you you pick something really interesting as well because I don't think people understand what goes into doing that. Honestly, and I I didn't really either. Like I I got it, but because mm-hmm. um, so my friend Joe, he's from England. I met him. <laughs> I, he, he, he came here as to be a trainer for hockey and I met him in Winnipeg and, um, 
then he, he moved to Toronto. We started to get closer and he actually got a job at this booking agency called AIM. And it does like a spoken country music in Canada. So he got like no music experience at all. He just wanted to work in the music industry. He got this awesome opportunity. And all of a sudden he's been booking tours for like massive folk bands and stuff. And then one day we went on this road trip together down to Albany to see our friends, the young culture. And, uh, and it actually Loden was shooting a music video for them. And, uh, nice. Joe and I started talking about like how cool it would be for us to book shows. And I was telling him like, you know, I did a little bit of booking, but I, I wasn't super into it. And he kind of got me inspired to really go for it. And, you know, we, we teamed up and we just like, we, we, you, we help each other out all the time. It's like, okay, if you do this, I'll do this. And it's just, it, it's just, I don't know. It's, it's something like, I just try to keep my time full as much as possible. I don't like sitting around and <laughs> right. <doing> nothing. <laughs> no, I can tell. I mean, you got your girlfriend. You got the gym. You got booking. You got writing a new, a new yeah. album. You got everything going on. I'm surprised you even have time to do this. Oh man, it's crazy. It, <laughs> yeah, it was hard to find time. Like not because it was hard to find time to do this, especially because of work, right? Like yeah, working takes up so much of your time. No, that's very true. I'm working like 30, 40 hours a week, which I mean isn't. I don't think the same as what you're doing 12 hours a day, but it's it's tough. It's still tough. No, I think you're probably right on the same level. Like I might do more at my regular quote unquote regular job, but when I'm doing podcasts, it takes up not only the time to obviously speak, but then I also go through and you do the editing, you do the marketing, you do all that stuff. So you end up spending, you know, all the rest of the time of the day filling in with that. So it's very similar to what you're doing where I'm just filling up all of my time. Yeah, totally. And these things are like an over an hour long sometimes. So you just keep going and then you have to re-listen to it and edit it. And right. That that would take up a lot of time. <laughs> yeah, well, and you know, I was saying Loden also he he shoots music videos and it's the same thing. Like he spends oh right so much time perfecting it. Right. And um uh, yeah, I, I totally get that. I, I actually got a podcast recently and um I just uh, I just did a tour with Northlane. I I drove and did merch for them and Right. Because I was driving the, the entire tour, I was like, what, how am I going to pass the time? I decided to start looking at podcasts and I, I can see like how much work goes into it. It's very under underrated. And that's the thing. It's like what you had talked about earlier about putting money into your instruments. That's what you put into. So you have that quality. It's really the same with podcasting as well. The amount of money that goes into this is incredible. Like, I didn't think it was going to be like that until you realize anyone can do a podcast and you can talk into your screen and that can be your podcast. And I know many, many podcasts, that's what they do. But I wanted this to be professional. So you put that time, you put that money in and you make sure that you got that quality sound. That's why it's just it's actually in my head the whole entire time we've been talking that I can't talk at the same time you are. And it's annoying the fuck out of me. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I, I hope i think i hope after when you do it in post it doesn't actually show up that way that's what i'm hoping but normally because i've got the in-ear monitoring going on i'm pretty sure it is going to happen it's not going to ruin anything it's just i don't feel like i'm having the same type of conversation that i would be having with you you know what i mean i if it means anything i didn't notice anything like that's I, good I okay i'm like I, I think i mentioned this to you last time I, it was one of the most fun interviews i'd ever had just because it felt awesome. so natural it's right. it's the same right now good okay and that's all <laughs> the whole point is is that yeah. 
My point, and I think people who listen to the show know this, my point is to get you out there to everyone. So I think that's been done. But it's just one of those things. I'm sure if you were recording and you thought something was a little bit off, it would probably fuck with your head. And that's just the way I think of things. Oh, yeah, I can imagine that. Even like sometimes if I like if we're playing a show, all of a sudden like I hear one sour note and I'm like, crap, it's one of my strings out of the tune. And all of a sudden right. I'm like freaking out trying to like trying to like in the middle of a song trying to listen to my amp to see if it is and then as soon as i get a chance if if it's like corbin only playing guitar at that part i can get a chance to check my guitar and usually it's in tune it's just in my head and i'm freaking out right. <laughs> as soon as you get the idea there you're done <laughs> yeah and that's the problem with being a perfectionist you know oh totally totally you got to make sure everything's right exactly but yeah man that's just kind of, it's awesome that you're getting into podcasts so you're able to, you know, take some time to listen. Is it on your commute and everything that you do it? Um, I've kind of fallen off a little bit recently just when I got home, but right. on that tour, I spent so much time. Like, um, I listened to all, all of Serial, so both seasons of Serial. Oh, I yeah. don't know if you've heard that. I've talked about this before. I don't listen to any other podcast because I don't want anyone else's ideas to seep in. And I've been kind of talking about this recently. I have a lot of people that listen that know that a lot of other shows steal from this show. Oh, yeah? So, yeah. So I never want to steal from anyone else, but I know people do that for this. So I'm just like, okay, let them do whatever they want, and I'm still going to do this. That's interesting because I feel like when we're writing music, a lot of our time spent writing music is like referring to other songs or other other bands and like be like oh yeah like remember when this band did this thing like let's listen to that quickly and see how they did that it's absolutely not a bad thing to do that i just always been so weird like when i was doing music when i was much younger i remember being like okay i'm not gonna listen to anyone because i just want to make it myself but that was just the way my mindset was because i totally understand why other people have it the other way you know what and corbin's like that too Oh, really? See, every, okay. Every, every and I were always down to like reference other bands and songs. Then we brought Corbin mm-hmm. in and Corbin actually kind of got like frustrated when we pull out our iPhones and start like playing other songs. Ah, okay. He, he felt like that was like pulling away from what we were doing. So he, I, I, can, I get what your, your mindset is too, because that's the same way Corbin is. Oh, very interesting. Okay. And that, you know, like for time writing with him, like we, we are more like that as well. Like instead of referring to something else, we might just try and figure it out on our own. I do take it as... I don't know if it's a good thing or not, but I guess to realize that other people are taking things because it's good and yeah. using it, it's like, okay, well, then that makes sense. You know, like I'm at least, it's almost like a compliment. Yeah. And that's the thing. I just don't like to think of it as like stealing. I almost try to right. think of it as like inspiration from something else. It's more when it's extremely blatant. Yeah. That's oh, when yeah. it starts being a little bit too much. But like if it was just like, oh, yeah, we're using this, but then we're modifying it instead of doing exactly what we've been doing for a while that's the weird part yeah and i i think that i i agree that's totally lame like what's what's the point of doing this if you're just going to steal ideas right right the reason i do that like the reason we do it is because we you know we grew up listening to our favorite bands and you know sometimes we want to like we want to emulate that a little bit like if there's like a cool effect that band did it's like sick like we should you know that made me feel this way let's see if we can you know get a similar vibe going on and go from there no, absolutely. Yeah. Totally agree. And you you can tell. I feel like bands who bands and people who rip things off, like they they I don't think they go the extra mile just because they're people see through that, you know? Yo, no. Unfortunately, we talk about quite a few of those bands on the show from time to time. Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> it it happens. 
you know, sometimes those bands become super famous, <laughs> but it is what it is. To be quite honest, a lot of them get super yeah. famous. <laughs> but that's why I do have the show is to highlight bands like Rarity is because I want to have your music. I want to have your personality out there so that people feel more like they know you that they're going to do the extra mile to go see a live show or to pre-order a merch bundle or something like that because that's the music that I want more of. That's cool. I, I, I appreciate that a lot, man. And like for anybody that does come to our show and do that, like it really does mean the world to us. And I, you know, I always encourage people to come up and talk to us and hang out. Like, you know, if you want to get a coffee or if you want to go get something at a show, like we're, we're down for that. Like we're, we're not, we're not rock stars. We're not any, like we're not, <laughs> We, we just want to hang out and put, perform music and, and bang our heads as hard as we can. <laughs> right, right. No, and I can speak to that too because I got to meet you in person as well after the show. So I know for sure I saw you talking to everyone. And I saw yeah. you guys hanging out and doing everything. It's what we do, man. Like we, we appreciate everybody. Like, you know, I'm, I, a lot of, I feel like a lot of people who are into our band or into this type of music are also musicians and wanting to do it themselves. So. Mm-hmm. I, I always want to give them as much advice as possible. That's that's always been like since we first got picked up. That was one of the first things I said to myself that I was gonna I was gonna try and share as much information as I could. <laughs> no, that's the way to be. Well, man, I think unless you've got anything else to talk about, I looked at the time. <laughs> I don't know, yeah, realize I don't... <laughs> we, if we've almost been doing it for an hour and a half. <laughs> Holy crap! It does not. Like <laughs> if I, I was guessing like forty five minutes. <laughs> no, that's awesome. I mean. That's the highest compliment you can get is that we were just talking and shooting the shit and time flew by. That was really fun. Oh, yeah. We, we should probably wrap this up, actually. <laughs> well, you've got your girlfriend. You've got everything going on. So I don't want to keep you from that. Well, I, I appreciate that, man. And thank you for having me on again. It, it was really cool. And, you know, I know it was last minute when I hit you up to do it, but it was I, I, I want to do it again if you're down. So Oh, absolutely. No. As soon as that album comes out, like you need to send that to me early. I can go yeah. ahead and I can rip through it and then we can have a whole in-depth discussion about everything that went on with recording, you know, the meanings of songs, like all that kind of stuff would be awesome. Hell yeah, let's do it. Maybe we can get some of the other guys on. Like, Oh yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Well, before we wrap up then, let's make sure I remember you mentioning that you had dropped off some new merch designs. So right now I'm going to have links in the description of the episode for Facebook, for Twitter, for everything, Instagram everything that way people can follow you support you but for right now what is the best way for people to support you honestly just like like and comment and retweet our stuff you know tell us how you feel about things like you can you can message us like twitter is a huge thing i think definitely like retweeting and liking stuff because it you know it shows that people actually care and uh and just responding and trying to have a conversation with us like it really it, it means a lot, especially in a time right now where we're not touring or talking it like getting out there. It, right. it it does mean a lot when people engage with us because it shows that they're still there. And that's the beautiful thing, beautiful thing about social media, right? Besides the death threats, it's yeah. always nice to get compliments. <laughs> All the death threats. <laughs> so Adam man, this was awesome. I know we were talking for a while about getting this together. I was so happy that you're able to do the show again and that everything seems to be really working out right now. So that is just awesome to hear. Well, I, I thank I thank you a lot, man. Like your support and just you doing this with us and helping us out by doing this, it, it means a lot. So thank you. No, absolutely, man. 
Well, once again, thank you so much, and I'm sure we'll talk soon. Definitely. Take care, man. You too. Alright everyone, the track you just heard was Anne Hathaway off Rarity's EP, Alive in Your Eyes. Thanks once again to Adam Clark for coming back on the show. That was a lot of fun. I hope you enjoyed it as well. 
I am really looking forward to new Rarity music. It sounds awesome. It sounds like the band is right where they want to be. As soon as any new music comes out, you'll hear it here on Ian Hates Music. But until then, make sure to follow all of the links in the description of the episode to support Adam as well as Rarity. Those guys work really hard and they deserve it. Don't forget to also support all the Ian Hates shows. Ian Hates Music, Ian Hates Conversations, and Ian Hates Movies. You can use the other links in the description of the episode for that. So now, let's end this episode with another great rarity track. Let's end the show with Exhale. Once again, off I Couldn't Be Weaker. And I will leave you the way I always do. Long days and pleasant nights. Thanks, everyone.